You don't want to take off your sweater now, or are you good? <laughs> Didn't even do your hair. I got a hat, oh, dude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I figured since I was going to be taking these on and off so much today, over there and over here, I was like, why the fuck am I going to do my hair? That's fair. God, does it annoys you that much when I take my sweatshirt off? Uh, Mid-podcast, it does. How could you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Yep, here we go. Early morning it's session. Oh, it's weird. Oh, it's it weird. Was, it was, uh, I'll tell you later. We have a uh, different kind of cold brews in the morning. <laughs> we look tired. We look tired. We got some Baileys, mm, creamy. We have right. some. It's on the refrigerator. Does anybody get that reference that I just said? It's uh, creamy. I know what it is. I just can't remember the it's name. It's Old Greg. Yeah. Old Greg. Yeah. You guys don't know that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What the heck is Old Greg? Look it up on YouTube when you get a. I gotta check that when you get a chance. Old Greg and his downstairs mix up. Oh, okay. It's all right. (laughs) Dom, pull it up. Yeah, get the video cued. Is uh, our cameras? I'm gonna start start calling you Jamie. I'm gonna start calling you Jamie. Hey Jamie, pull that up. Roll with that. Yeah. Hey Jamie, pull that up. Here we go. Episode nine of Shoot the Mic, sponsored by Rifle Supply. Today we have. The great and powerful Arm Scholar, <laughs> aka Anthony, or Anthony, aka Arm Scholar. Yeah, Good to have you here with us. In the Welcome. Welcome. Awesome. Awesome. awesome to be here, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you are from up in Northern Cali, correct? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say Northern California, but Central California, really, Fresno area. That's oh, okay. the general area I give people because I don't want to tell them exactly where I'm from. But yeah, yeah. Fresno area, Central California, dairies and ag, you know. What we do? Mm. Did you grow up? Dairy ags and prisons. Did you grow up out there? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I originally grew up there in the foothills. There Um, went to high school there, and then uh, ended up down here ish. Went to UC Santa Barbara for undergrad, and then after I got the beach experience, decided I wanted to go to law school East Coast. So went to Penn State, Penn State Law, and yeah, got snowed in. You know, all that stuff and wow. decided I hated that. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, how was that? <laughs> yes, hated that. <laughs> You're back. So <laughs> Yeah, it's it's awesome uh for most of the year, but yeah. once winter hits and you're there five months just snowed in, you know. 40 like, minutes to take, take your you back to California. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm such a homebody. I might be happy just not being able to leave my house. Well, it is awesome if you don't have to leave your house. Yeah, for oh. sure. But the second you need to go get groceries, <laughs> <laughs> you're regretting life. That's yeah. Fair. Do they yeah. DoorDash on snowmobiles out there? There was no DoorDash really back then. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, well, oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Now, yeah, now okay. it might I don't be, know the time. Yeah, now yeah. it might be a little bit better. But yeah, this is what, five, six years ago when. So it wasn't as prevalent as it was now. Right, okay. Don't order any hot food or nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> freeze over <laughs> time. Yeah. Ready to bake. <laughs> so, did, so, what kind of law did you study? And then, when you pass the bar or whatever, in in what kind of law do you technically practice? Yeah. So good. I mean, that's a good question. So really didn't like emphasize anything in law school. You know, some people will do some emphasis, but I didn't really do that. Gotcha. Um, some people do specific clinics that they liked. I didn't do any of that. I just knew I was probably going to join a general practice firm um, or do some sort of federal agency stuff, not CIA or anything like that. So what I ended up actually doing one of the years, I interned at the California Attorney General's office in the DOJ, but it was the Correctional Law Division. And the reason I did that is because my dad was a correctional officer for 20 years. So the state of California, the AG's office, they have a whole department that's dedicated to representing the, cal- the corrections office in the state, really, when correctional officers get sued. Um, 
So I thought that that would be because my dad had been part of like random litigation. Almost all the officers are, you know, yeah. you've worked there 20 years. You can get sued by an inmate for some human rights violation, alleged something. So mm. I thought it'd be cool to go try to represent them and learned real quick that that is not what the California DOJ is about. <laughs> you know, is I, it OK? So the so the the prisons. I know the jails are state, but I've heard that a lot of the prisons are privately owned, but they're still funded by the state. So there are there are some that are privately said, owned, but okay. like in my area, primarily they're all state institutions. Okay, so like uh, Corcoran, um, Avenal, Pleasant Valley, Wasco, all of those are, are state run. There are some okay. private ones. And then you also have some, I guess, prisons, but they are more mental health or they have a mental health oh, okay. emphasis on them, but it's okay. really all the sickos. So when they, they do go there, after so, the, damn. after a CO, they're actually going after the state. Yeah. So the state will gotcha. give the, the CEOs a, a state attorney. And so if it got elevated to a certain level, that's when the department of corrections and the DOJ and the AG's office, we would get involved. So I thought that that would be cool to be a part of because I know my dad, when he was sued a few times, you know, he had some good attorneys in the, the state, the state's office. But when I got there, I learned real quick. It was all about just giving these guys checks. You know, it was all about settling just and getting, getting these guys checks. And I was like, I'm not, not interested in this. They're like, well, we'll after my internship, you know, we'd really love to have you back. Like, we, are you willing to commit to come back? And I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, thanks. So in, in law school, I wasn't really hundred percent sure what I wanted to do. Never thought I'd be doing anything like I'm doing now for sure. Um, but I thought, you know, maybe I will work you know, maybe for the state or something, or just go back to a general practice firm, which is what I ended up doing. So when I passed the bar, passed it the first time, which might not seem nice. a big deal, but for California, it's the hardest bar to pass. Oh, so no you pass it the first time. So uh, there were some people at the first firm I worked at, there were some kids who took it four or five times Damn. and didn't pass it. That's like it. My, my cousin oh, Vinny. Yeah. You got to play, play a clip of that, my cousin <laughs> yeah. Vinny. Great movie. The first time? No, the second time. <laughs> yeah. For me, the fifth time was too hard. <laughs> yeah. Nope. For me, six times was a charm. Yeah, I mean, in California, it really is. So um, even at the firm right now, they were telling me that someone there is like on their fourth try. So it's a, it's a big deal because wow. well, it really – congrats on that. Yeah. yeah. So then we started working at a local firm um, in my city and worked there for – about two and a half years. And while I was doing that, I primarily did a lot of, um, so we were city attorneys is primarily what we were. So we, we repped the city councils and we helped them with their planning and contracts for stuff. And really we just told a lot of the council members, no, you can't do that. And they said, cool story. We're going to do it anyways. <laughs> and we said, well, we told you, you can't do that. So if something happens, yeah. it's not on us. So there's a lot of that. Interesting. That seems probably kind of just as boring as the other one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It was a lot of just reviewing contracts, to be honest. Exactly. Uh, reviewing a lot of uh, stuff that they wanted to build or do. Um, so how'd you get to where you're at today now? <sighs> you know, it's really was just <laughs> by the grace of God and just weird happened. Like, I just really say it was just like God ordained everything. Like I said, I would have never thought. I was always very much into firearms and the Second Amendment, but never – there's – there are careers being a two-way attorney. There certainly are, but it's much more of a niche community. Like I know all the main two-way attorneys. Yeah. Um, and we, last night we were talking about like yeah. Michelle and Associates. Like there are very few firms that even specialize in it. So I was always kind of interested in, in firearms. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily grow up heavily with firearms in the house. My dad was CEO, so we would go shoot every once in a while, but he was not a 
gun guy. Gun enthusiast. Yeah, yeah, he just, he we would go shoot and we'd hang out and I knew the importance of firearms. But I guess what, and I've talked about this before on my channel, so what really kind of catapulted me into looking into firearms and getting obsessed with firearms and Second Amendment rights was when I was an undergrad at UC Santa Barbara, that was the year when we had the school shooting, mm. um, was my senior mm. year. And, you know, I wasn't part of any of that. We saw the ambulances all the time. Definitely, like, when you'd ride your bikes around the areas, there were still, like, all the bullet holes and everything. But really what made me interested in wanting to look deeper into the Second Amendment, just the firearms topic in general, was all of my friends, how they reacted to it. And it's just very prototypical what you see nowadays. Anytime there's a school shooting or anything like that, yeah. everybody's immediate result is like, we need to ban guns. We need more gun control laws, all this stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely more conservative. Even then, I was much more conservative leaning than my friends. I mean, now. Especially I'm, in that area, the college uh, environment. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's so I was, I definitely wasn't the type of person who was like, yeah, we need more gun control. I was in my thing was I need to look more into this topic. Yeah. I need to actually become educated on this topic before I even say anything. Because a lot of people are saying we need more laws, but like, okay, what laws do we actually have? So then I started trying to learn about firearms more, went to YouTube, early YouTube, watched a lot of Eric from Iraq Veteran, Eric and Barry, um, Nothing Fancy, uh, a lot of those like early, early YouTube guys and, and yeah. really just got... You guys know how it is. Once you get into firearms, especially if you're like a techie person, it just the bug. Yeah, yeah you just it Rabbit hooks you. Yeah. For sure. yeah. So I got really into firearms at that point and then started really looking into like Second Amendment and fundamental rights and all that stuff. I was a history major too in undergrad, so a lot of that stuff intrigued me. Um, yeah, and that just that started the the catapult. So even through like law school. I was part of like two A society stuff where we had like little uh, law clubs where we did like two A stuff and but never thought I'd make it in my career and the YouTube thing just started <laughs> on a complete whim again I was working you know sixty seventy hours a week my wife at the time who's back there she was uh, working for a dental company at the time and so she was uh, like a traveling rep so she would be gone for three four weeks at a time going to Idaho or whatever. So I was just working like crazy, and I would get home, watch YouTube, watch Netflix, whatever. And one day, I just had run through everything I could possibly watch because, you know, there's nothing else to do. I was just yeah. working and going home and just watching YouTube and Netflix. So one day, I was watching a video from um, Jonathan from Tactical Toolbox, and he did a series on, like, how to become a gun YouTuber or, like, how to be a, a gun YouTuber. And I'm the type of person where... I'm so nerdy is what I like to call myself. And I, the back end stuff, the like how to post videos and all that, it just really intrigued me. And once I understood how to do that, I was like, hey, I can do that. And I think that there is a, an area that needs to be filled on YouTube. And I say this now, but then I didn't really know. Yeah. Like, you know, there was, it wasn't this planned out, but looking back, I can kind of fill in a lot of the holes. But one day I just said, you know, I can do that. I remember texting my wife, like, hey, where's that uh, that camera we have? <laughs> and she was like, I don't know. Like, why do you need yeah, it? Well, you know, I just, searching. yeah, I just was just looking, you know, because uh, you're embarrassed. You don't, yeah, you, yeah. oh, I want to do a YouTube video. You're, I'm embarrassed. So, <laughs> so I found the camera. At the time, it was this uh, kind of Canon DSLR camera, but didn't even have the flip out screen. Okay. So I had to put it on my, so if you, they're still up. If you watch like one of my first videos, it's in our apartment kitchen. 
and I have the camera up on the stove looking at me. It doesn't even have a flip out screen. So I'm kind of just guessing. I don't even know if it's recording. <laughs> Horrible audio. You can hear the, the fridge running. And I think the first video I ever did was something related to CCW laws and um, Pennsylvania versus California, I think is what I did because I had both I had done both permitting processes. So I was just kind of comparing and contrasting uh -huh. like how California's was versus how Penn That's Pennsylvania smart, though, was. because you have experience. You had experience in both. So yeah. it was relatable, too. Yeah. And it from there, I don't know, just started to take off. And I was still working at the, the firm I was working with. Um, they didn't know at the time, which I would never recommend you do this. But again, I was self-conscious about it. So I didn't tell anybody for the longest <laughs> no. time. Didn't even tell my wife for a long, long time. She found, she found out first. My dad was the first one who knew out of anybody because I ran it by him because as I started getting more into firearms, he was getting more into firearms. And he was watching a lot of the same YouTube guys. Mm. And so he was, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to do like a YouTube channel. He's like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. He's like, maybe you can do some like ammo tests, you know, just very classic. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dad, I'm going to do Ballistic some. Ballistic Joe. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, even so my dad actually passed away probably right before the channel really started to blow up. Uh, I think I was only at maybe, I mean, blow up is a relative, 30,000 subscribers. So, but even at that time, he was like, hey, I really still think you should do some like ammo reviews. <laughs> I was like, dad, that's just not what I do. It's not that channel. <laughs> yeah. You watched my channel? <laughs> yeah. It's just, so uh, yeah, he knew, he knew first, but I didn't tell the firm that I was working with at the time and they found out. I want to say maybe I was I was already over like a hundred thousand. This was even after like we did the Route sixty six event. Oh like wow! All that oh, stuff. So it was. Wow. Did it someone was, like to see you? I'm like, hey, I think I saw yeah, so you on the, the internet. The head partner of the firm, <laughs> who's a younger guy, Mar uh, his name's Mario. He's really he's an awesome guy. Um, he just walked. I was in my office working one morning, and he walks in. He's like, "Hey, man." when are you going to tell me that you're doing YouTube? <laughs> and I'm sure like my face turned white and I was like, this is what my nightmare was. Right. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm I just started. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting fired today. Uh, no, he was really cool about it. And you know, originally we had talked about maybe uh, doing something with that firm and, and also like with the channel and right. trying to help people and do like consults. Like and Washington, stuff. Uh, was it Washington Gun Lawyers or Washington yeah. Gun Law? That yeah. guy, that guy does a lot of them. Owns yeah. the firm, I guess, and then has a big YouTube channel. We've been watching it because Washington's a fucking mess right now. Like, we don't know where we can ship, what we can ship, what we can't ship. It's just, it's an absolute mess. Mm. Yeah, it's so we. I had thought maybe about doing something like that but then around that time like i said is really when the channel was starting to take off and that's when i connected with the fbc and they brought me on oh. so and the the firm i'm still have an awesome relationship with the firm i worked at um we were just at a baseball game that they hosted they invited us to all their events and everything and they pretty much have an open door policy if i ever want to come back oh, that's i can cool. come back yeah, so that's um yeah they were super supportive of it i don't even think he that we i joke a lot with the partner he's like i would have never thought you this would turn into that um <laughs> But he understood like when I walked away because it just was an opportunity they could never have offered. It just yeah, was something yeah. that they don't do, um, especially like at the level FPC does. So, yeah. Did so right now, who do you work for or represent right now? So I'm, I'm right now I'm actually independent. Okay. So I left FPC and so now I just kind of do my own thing. Okay. So now, is yeah. that because the the channel is enough to support everything, or you just um, taking a break? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both at this point. It's just like. The time I would have to put in to do some of the things at like a firm like that or like at an org like that, it just doesn't yeah. make sense with the channel. But also just some differences of opinions, really, and just mm. some 
some things that went on behind the scenes I can't really talk about that just sure, was sure. uh <laughs> you sure it was yeah, no, right? he's always the push yeah, no, I was worried long. about you <laughs> let's just say I thought it was better to uh part to ways walk, to bar ways yeah but like better so the plus. move that you made um from all this stagnant type law mm-hmm. into something that you can be super active in it makes a lot of sense now that you explain the whole story it's like oh, okay like being active in not I don't want to say movement I hate that word but yeah. being able to actually practice law and actually fight um, it, it's, you got in the right sector yeah it's it's it was definitely one of those things where if and this is what I told the partner and we had when I left we had this a very good discussion about it um, not always do people get to chase their dreams and I know you guys are in the same situation especially something you're really passionate about a lot of people even when I was at the firm like I did an awesome job I loved the firm I worked at but was it my passion no like yeah I love the law but do I like repping city councils no I don't <laughs> wasn't my jam yeah so when it came down to okay you can do something in the legal field that has greater implications and it's your passion so it was it was a no-brainer but I definitely hesitated heavily because it was well it's a secure paycheck it's you have everything yeah walking away from that's hard yeah i took a pay cut to go work for fbc Mm -hmm. and all that so it was but it was again one of those things where it was like my passion so um turned out to be the turned out yeah it turned out to be the right decision for sure (laughs) yeah Yeah. sure where's their headquarters at fpc so they uh, they originally are based out of Sacramento, but their headquarters isn't there. They're primarily out of Nevada, but we all worked mobile. Gotcha. So that was okay. one of the benefits is I didn't have to go anywhere. I could still work from my, my home for my home office. So that was good. Okay, um, nice. Yeah. So, Do you think, uh, sorry, kind of switch gears here, but do you think we're closest we've ever been to kind of seeing the roster go away or in your opinion, or is this kind of just another fucking dance around that we've seen a hundred times? I mean, I, I think we're closer than we've ever been for sure. Mm-hmm. You can say that. I mean, how close are we to actually getting rid of the entire roster? Mm. You know, I don't I don't feel we're close (laughs) at all. And everybody just because of all the injunctions and the litigation that has to go through and then the adding and then subtracting. It's like everybody is really excited about it. I'm not trying to, like, piss on anyone's parade or whatever, but like it just doesn't feel close to me. And I could be totally wrong. Yeah. I mean, even I know I understand your sentiment with like the three and one, but that's also being litigated. So, you know, that's being litigated in the Nguyen case, which was, right. you know, a lot of people don't know. I was actually part of getting that filed with FBC. Um, so you do have a lot of pieces that are working right now to try to get the roster done away with for the most part. And then you have FBC's Rena, and then you have Michelle and Associate and CRPA's right. Bolin one, which is probably the most important one right now. Um, but didn't mm. and i'm sorry but didn't we so we just got two guns added they just added ruger mark fours yeah. back to the roster and the sr22s and so we were a little confused when that happened because dom actually found it and texted the whole company thread and was like dude they just added mark fours back on i don't think mark fours have a loaded chamber indicator i don't think they have a magazine disconnect either so i think it's because we they're 22s right yeah they don't have to have that it's because yeah, they're rimfire. so i yeah. think i think the roster the specific language is semi-automatic handgun and but it's it's not the the 22s like almost every law when you look at doesn't apply to rim doesn't fire. apply to 22 rimfires mm. for whatever reason okay i think that's the only caliber they understand that isn't lethal in their minds so they're <laughs> yeah. always like i shoot you in the eyeball yeah no <laughs> and if they but they treat it like it's not yeah. lethal even if you look at the 30515 which is the assault weapon ban 
um, they exempt you know 22s 22, from yeah. that. So it's always been the thing that they latch on, like except for 22s. Um, gotcha. Okay. Well, that's good clarification because I mean, yeah, we've been getting that question like, hey, like how did these come on? And we were literally dumbfounded. Like, wow, we don't know how they came on. You yeah. Know? Like because that injunction didn't didn't stay. Well, he didn't even put an injunction on that or if he did oh california got the stay yeah they got the stay yeah they got the stay i'm more i would be more excited about having standard capacity mags but i don't think that's close either i mean they're pushing that at the federal level massively with biden right ars and capacity is what they're really pushing yeah i mean of course magazines and ars is is the hot it's the hot girl in the room you know that's what everybody (laughs) focuses on for sure especially in california you know in california most gun owners are like Definitely, if I could just have my magazines the way I want and my AR the way I want, I would be happy for the most part. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there's a ton of other California laws that are absolutely horrible, especially we're dealing with the concealed carry stuff. Now we're doing this loop-de-loop with the concealed carry issues once again where they're trying to pass a bill to make it even worse than the stuff we had before. At a state level? Yeah, at a state level. Oh, I didn't even know about that one. Yeah, CRPA is working on on that. Um, So, yeah, I would say... I try to be as neutral as possible, especially in some of my videos. I think we're in a, we're definitely in a better situation than we've ever been. Um, if you talk about like on the litigation side, for the longest time when we would fight, fight these lawsuits and we'd file these lawsuits and we'd have to go into court, we were in such a defensive posture because the courts ha- were, were on the state side. And the legal precedent for the most part, especially in the Ninth Circuit, was on the state's side. So we were always on our on our heels. We were always having to put forward arguments that weren't our A arguments. You know, it wasn't, hey, look at the Second Amendment. We could say, like, look at the Second Amendment, but we knew that the courts would always just say, yeah, that's cute. I don't care about that. <laughs> Almost reactive. That's yeah. Not like being proactive. Yeah, they would always just say, okay, yeah, whatever, Second Amendment. But, like, the state has this public interest, and this public interest of reducing shootings is so important that we're just going to say forget everything else. Of course, with the Bruin decision, that's that's completely flipped a lot of this litigation. And that I think the pace at which you see some of these these lawsuits now kind of react is, and I, I understand not everybody follows this and hasn't followed it for a long time, but even if you look at Illinois when they just recently passed their assault weapons ban, and then really fast the district court there got an injunction uh you broke the rule come on <laughs> broke the rule start over no so it really yeah really fast the district court there um mclinn gave the um, injunction there and then really fast the state decided okay we're gonna appeal this we're gonna try to get a stay they got a stay and then there was a lot of efforts to take it up to the supreme court for the supreme court to intervene but the state kind of sidestepped that by saying, okay, we're going to expedite a lot of the hearings at the uh, circuit court level, at the Seventh Circuit level. The pace at which that happened, if you looked at maybe five years ago, that would have, that all that that happened within a month period of time could have taken a year and a half. So these cases are moving at a significantly increased pace for sure. Hmm. Um, I know a lot of people, even in California, I mean, I get every day, I'm sure you guys get asked every single day, when is Benitez going to rule on... Oh, that was my next name. <laughs> when is Benitez going to rule on Duncan? Because, when like, is, they're when, already on his desk. So, allegedly, right? They're already on his desk. They like, are ready on to his go. desk, yeah. So, it's like, what is what is that hold up? you know? So, you have to... I know a lot of people say, all he, all he has to do is copy and paste his prior decision. To a degree, yes, but not really. So, he has to reanalyze everything using the actual Bruin framework. 
Um, there's a lot of other stuff that has happened, for example, like Illinois and all that. But with Duncan, Duncan is a preliminary injunction, I believe, at this this stage. Um, actually, might have even changed. So don't quote me on this. I actually should have looked this up. But I know Miller for sure. So Miller was always on a summary judgment. Which Miller was, v. Bonta was? It's the California assault weapon ban. Okay, okay. Rifle okay. AR bans. Yeah, yeah, okay. So Miller was at a stage prior to Bruin where Benitez actually granted a summary judgment in favor of FPC, which was the first time that that has ever happened in the nation. So summary judgment is essentially just a... Ex Mike, a little close. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I start to lean back. So, <laughs> yeah, so Miller, the uh, summary judgment is essentially just um, common breakdown of it is it's at a stage of a case where you're not actually going to a trial. You're just saying, we believe we're right. They believe they're right. We don't need to go to a full trial. Let's do some basic, well, let's do discovery and then court rule on this on your own. And Benitez oh. did that and he granted the summary judgment. So the case was done. So it actually was resolved on the merits of the case. Duncan was on a preliminary injunction stage where it was what we see a lot right now where it's likelihood of success on the merits with some other factors where they say, okay, we think you're going to win. This is impacting significant rights. Therefore, we're going to put a halt on this until we can decide the case on a full trial. Real quick, pre preliminary injunction. <clears throat> Actually, that's why I think it's great that you're on here is, um, okay, so that the law, it basically in lay terms stops the law for for that time. Is starts kind of correct? Starts it, stops it for the period of time until the case is resolved on the merits. So or either, they get a stay. Or they get a stay. Okay. Yeah. Which blocks that injunction, which goes back to the way it was. Yeah, so a, so a preliminary injunction is usually, and if a lot of people use certain terms, and I, it's, I don't always want to be like, well, no, you shouldn't use that term. But yeah, so a preliminary injunction is supposed to maintain the status quo. And then a stay on a preliminary injunction just means like we're not going to let that preliminary injunction go into effect. Gotcha. Um, again, we're going to maintain the status quo. So they're kind of both a status quo mechanism. Right. Um, it just depends on what what's actually happening and how that overlays um i know this sometimes gets into no, gets so, into the weeds so of stuff it, i don't i don't want to get away from duncan but i watched your video like multiple times and i mm -hmm. almost started writing down because i wanted to know the definition of chevron deference mm -hmm. and you and you um defined it a couple times it's like i feel like on one of them we should just go through one where like maybe you can have the people like say Chevron deference and then it's there. So like I could go back in the video and like just press pause and then I could write it down or I could snap it on my phone because there's so many, there was Chevron deference and then there was another one that I was trying to look up because they're applicable. The fact that we're following all the laws now yeah. and I'm looking at it, it's like maybe you need to do like one definition podcast. <laughs> yeah, all <laughs> definitions. Like, let's just put all the definitions <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, so and, and I know some people are like, oh, I already know what this is, but not everybody does. Like, yeah. and you, I know you watch a lot of my videos, right. but in, you know, I've talked about Chevron in quite a few videos, but not everybody understands at the same level, and some people need to be repeated in every single and video. Each so context, have, is, yeah. it could be different. There, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. They're like, why is he talking about gas? On right. <laughs> yeah. I think so of Chevron as in an optic site, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so it's covering, and I was guessing, and I'm like, oh, shit, what does it mean? Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> yes. So it's – I would say I'm, I'm very optimistic about where we are going. Um, we've definitely seen – states and AGs have to change their strategy for certain. Now, now they are definitely, they're actually having to earn their money. The AGs for these states, the federal government, the ATF, their lawyers are having to finally earn their money because before all they had to do was do sob story, 
public interest. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. These people and got the judges would terrible. just, yeah, exactly. That's all they would say. We need to, and that's a whole rationale example for California's magazine ban was to reduce mass shootings because they said if we reduce the um, capacity, it forces people to reload more. And then that would, the interruption in loading would potentially save more lives. So that was their whole public interest argument. And so they would always, Crazy. yeah. And then I'm our, slow at reloads yeah. and it wouldn't fucking matter. Yeah. I'm, and then, I'm but terrible. then, and since the courts had always deferred to their public interest arguments, then that would force us to have to make these arguments and counter and being like, well, no, well, then that also impacts you and your self-defense side. Because if you're saying that it's going to slow down the shooter, well, it's also going to slow down you and your self-defense capability. Yeah. But we don't even want to be having to, make those arguments. We shouldn't even have to be making those arguments. We should just say a magazine is an arm in common use for lawful purposes, including self-defense and fighting tyranny, which is what the Second Amendment's really about. So an outright ban, a categorical ban on an arm is not permissible under the Second Amendment. It has not been permissible since Heller, since 2008, and we're still having those arguments. So Bruin definitely has corrected a lot of that. And so now we get to go back to those foundational arguments in these cases, which is really nice. And that's what that's how you, you're seeing all these two-way cases now be litigated. It's at the foundational level. It's almost it's, like fair now, right? It, 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 it's still not fair. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> does everybody know does everybody know specifics of Bruin? The no. New York case? I read it a okay, while go ago. ahead. All right, let's, let's, let's time let's, it like let's, 15 let's, seconds, <laughs> and we can like just hit the exact main point. Let's do it. Let's do a test. What does what did Bruin say? Oh God, uh, you're on, I, I was reading you're on the hot this morning, and you're I'm on the hot seat. I can't remember. I got short term on this one. I don't know. Uh, fucking, it was. I have no fucking idea. It was some, <laughs> it was, I can't I don't, remember. I don't know what exactly it was. It, I believe it was about historical precedence um, when arguing a case. Am I on the right path? Yeah, I mean, relatively, yeah. Okay. Um, I hate doing this because I always have to do it. So the, <laughs> do it like so super every, quick. So anybody watching, now you know why I have to break things down multiple times in videos. Because yeah. um, yeah. the context matters and not everybody will grasp. And it's just, I understand too, because I went to school. I went to school and I knew a lot of times the professors say, like, I have to tell you 17 times before you actually retain the information. Yeah. Same thing when I would have to study for lawsuit exams or whatever. I would have to go over my attack brief 50 times until it really stuck in my brain and then I could actually put it to action. So Bruin was <laughs> mm-hmm. so Bruin was a challenge to Calif- uh, to New York's um, concealed carry laws. So they oh, similar similar yeah. to yeah. <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah. I knew it. I knew it. So now, you, but, but, now that you know, go. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, so they were saying uh, basically the the like you have to have a good reason to carry, right? You're getting rid of that. Yeah. Basically. So they use proper cause instead of proper good cause. cause. So California right, used okay. good cause. Uh, New York used proper cause. Okay. And theirs was a little bit more restrictive for sure. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the times when the residents would go in there and they would try to put forward a rationale. So even in California, prior to a lot of the stuff that's happened now, like in my area, I could just walk in and say, hey, I want this for self-defense. And since I'm in a fairly conservative area, they'll say, okay, that's good enough. Even before? Even before. I've done both. I got it initially was self-defense yeah and then i went through like six years of having to put that i run a gun store and stuff and now it's back to self-defense yeah so so it varies by county it, it in california it always did vary by county mm. i mean it was really just depending on how your area was and what your sheriff is like new york was much more stringent for sure gotcha. you would have to put forward some other what they believed was a proper cause or more legitimate standard um other than self-defense other than self-defense 
a lot of people joke about you would have to say like, well, I've been chased down the street with bears riding on motorcycles with Uzis. <laughs> and they would say like, well, that's still not proper enough. Couple of times. <laughs> you know, it, that's how crazy New York was. Yeah. So that ended up making its way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court in a 6-3 decision authored by Justice Thomas did a few things. And a lot of people overlook this first part. What they first said is that your right to self-defense extends beyond your home. I know, revolutionary, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> For whatever reason, the Supreme Court needed to say that because you had a lot of areas, like in California, in New York, who said that your right to self-defense just dissipated, just went away the second you walked out of the curtilage of right. your home. They tried to say, they tried yeah. to cabin Heller in that decision to say that self-defense only exists within your home. So Damn. Bruin had to go in. The Supreme Court of Bruin first had to correct that. And then they had to address the analysis of how do you actually look at Second Amendment cases. And that became the analysis, which is actually on the shirt, text, history, and tradition. So this is actually a new shirt. Uh, okay. We're going to be releasing this. I haven't even announced, cool. this, to my, I haven't even announced <laughs> this to my audience yet, actually. Uh, so, now you have. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the standard. And it was always the standard. It was the standard under Heller. Um, wasn't clearly outlined in Heller or as clear as we would have liked, uh, but Bruin and the Supreme Court went in and said, you need to first look at the text of the Second Amendment to determine if this is an arm or conduct protected by the text of the Second Amendment. If it is, then presumptively it's, it's illegal for the state to do any type of action or restriction on it. The only way that the state or government can rebut that presumption is if they can find a, a historical analog and so they would need to go back to evidence, laws, statutes, some sort of evidence dating back to 1791 to show at our founding when the Second Amendment was ratified, was there some sort of restriction on the Second Amendment that permits now what they are doing? So it kind of just oh. shifted the entire analysis and expressly Justice Thomas went in and said, the two-step approach, the use of tiered-based scrutiny, intermediate scrutiny, all that stuff, not permissible. That's what the Ninth Circuit had done. So all the Ninth Circuit precedent, precedent just is supposed to evaporate now. Um, and that's what a lot of litigation is going, is having to go back. And so we're going back with we're having to go cases. <clears throat> having to go back and redo a lot of this litigation. So the same thing right now, um, FBC refiled, a, was it FBC or SAF? I think SAF went back and refiled a lawsuit to the 10-day waiting period. Because the 10-day waiting period in California was litigated under the old standard, which was the two-step approach. Mm. And it even made its way all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court denied review. So currently, technically right now in the Ninth Circuit, the precedent sitting is that the 10-day waiting period is constitutional, but it was found constitutional under the old analysis. So now all these cases are having to go back and say, they got it wrong from the beginning, like we said they got it wrong. <laughs> and so now we got to redo all this stuff. So. It seems to me, if we're looking at it, at a lot of the stuff that way, not just in Cali, but all over the country, mm -hmm. shouldn't we win a lot of these cases? We we are, and, yeah. and we are winning a lot. Like I think at the pace at which you are seeing we are winning these injunctions, even though some are getting stayed here and there, we are winning these cases at a crazy pace that we never have seen before. And even bef even some left-leaning Biden-appointed judges are having to rule in our favor. Because just the analysis ties their hand so hard. Mm. Now, because of that, um, when there's an injunction that's put, an injunction is almost put on the case because be, by the merits of the case, it's like, yeah, this case is more than likely going to go this way. 
which is when an injunction is placed, right? If not, they wouldn't place one. Yeah. So there are standards for a preliminary injunction. Um, and again, this is getting a little bit into the weeds, but one of the, the primary reasons is a likelihood of success on the merits of the case. So when a judge is issuing an injunction, part of their analysis, they're saying, okay, let's say FBC brings a lawsuit, like let's say the 10 day waiting period. If an injunction is issued on that, the judge is saying, you put forward your arguments and we, yes, we agree, you are likely going to win this case. Now, there hasn't been full discovery. There hasn't been a full you know, review of the case, but they're saying at this stage, looking at the briefs that have been submitted by both sides, yes, we agree that you're likely going to win this case. And then there are other factors like if issuing an injunction will cause harm to the public at large. And if a court finds that it's going to cause harm to the public at large, they won't issue an injunction. So a lot of times when they are saying, yes, we're going to, let's say, put the 10-day waiting period on hold, they're saying this isn't really going to ca cause a harm to the public. Most of the time, what they'll say in contrast, it's going to cause an even more significant burden on your fundamental rights. So oh. they kind of, that's, I know some people, again, it's getting a little bit into the legal weeds. <laughs> some people will say, well, why are they looking at public interest? Like we'll look at a lot of these injunctions and I'll break down a lot of these briefs and say, well, I thought they're not supposed to look at public interest anymore. They're not supposed to look at the public interest when they're doing the large state, large scale constitutional analysis. That's not proper. But when you're looking at injunctions, mm -hmm. that is still one of the elements is you're supposed to use this, this scale of what harm is it going to cause to the public versus a fundamental right in most two-way cases. But now what we're seeing a lot of times is they're saying your public interest is soft. You're, you're restricting the Second Amendment, so this is winning. But yes, the, the, the biggest thing that a lot of people grasp onto for injunctions is likelihood of success on the merit. So it, I know a lot of people say, well, it's just an injunction. It really just gives you insight into how the judge is going to rule. Well, but then, but the thing that's frustrating for all of us, and it's probably, I would assume that a large percentage of the Californians agree with me on this, but then they just run to the fucking state and get a stay, and then it's done for the next year. Like, they, it just seems like counterproductive to me. Like, it, it's okay, you're most likely going to win based on the merits. The injunction should stay until the case is heard in my head, right? Just by common sense. But then they just run to a judge that is on their side and then they just get to stay on that injunction. So it's like, I don't know if it, it, it's like, yeah. And, and I, I, I think I need to preface some, and it's because we've been following a lot of these cases for so long. These cases have been going on for so long because we've had a significant shift in the analysis. So a lot of these cases would have been resolved already, but now since we're having to go back from square one and relitigate a lot of these cases, that's why. So a lot of people still have the baggage of like the old stuff that we saw with Duncan in that original stay or Miller in that original stay. Right. We don't necessarily know that that's going to play out the way that it has now. What we've seen a lot is, like I said, we've seen a lot of um, change in strategy, especially on the pro 2A side. So for example, when you look at, um, let's go to New York CCIA. When GOA filed the Antonyuk case, which is a challenge to New York's new concealed carry law that they, they passed in direct response to Bruin, you had a district court judge who issued an injunction, said, yes, we believe this law is unconstitutional. Then New York ran up to the Second Circuit and said, this district court judge got it wrong. Give, give us a stay, just like you're saying. They said, okay, yeah, we'll give you a stay. Just blanket. And then GOA since we now have precedent on our side, said that's not the way this is supposed to operate. Right. So then they went up to the Supreme Court and did an emergency application to the Supreme Court and said, you just issued Bruin. 
using the standard, the Second Circuit just issued a blanket stay without any rationale whatsoever. Okay. They're not supposed to do that. And Supreme Court didn't take up that emergency application, but we did get language that's from the Supreme Court, from Alito and Thomas, and they said, circuit courts, you're no longer permitted to do that. If you're going to grant a blanket stay, you either, you either need to put your rationale of why you were granting that stay, or you need to expedite these hearings. Mm. And so that's what the Second Circuit did. And then we saw the same thing recently play out in the Seventh Circuit with the Illinois assault weapon ban. So that's why I said before you would see a lot of this aspect of the litigation take years and it's happening in months. So now we should start to see not 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 like hoping for the world, but but there should there's going to be movement, at the, especially at the very least it's it's happening at a faster pace. Now, right. will the Ninth Circuit play ball like that? It's hard to say because the Ninth Circuit has always been the outlier. The Ninth Circuit is the most overturned circuit out of any circuit by the Supreme Court. (laughs) But I will say there are some amazing, amazing judges on the Ninth Circuit, like Bumate. I love Bumate. If you ever like have, I know if you ever have some free time, go go read some of his opinions. Uh, But he was part of, I believe, the uh, original Duncan decision or the three judge panel where he said, yes, the magazine ban is unconstitutional. I think he was part of the Rena panel. Um, So he there are judges like O'Scanlan, I think, is is on there as well. Um, there's there's a lot of good judges, and that's also why a lot of people. Maybe I'll get shit for this. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and that, that's our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> stuff, it yeah. A lot of people are very critical of Trump. I'm critical of Trump for some things as well. A lot of people are very critical of him, especially when it comes to the Second Amendment, because he is the main reason why we are dealing with a lot of ATF overreach especially because of his orders with the bump stocks. Bump stocks and red flag, right? Bump stocks, red flags, bump stocks, and his direction to the ATF has now led to what we're doing with pistol braces. Mm -hmm. I will say the one thing he was good at was putting judges in place. So he got us the Supreme Court that issued Bruin, and he drastically shifted the makeup of the Ninth Circuit to where it it is not as leaning left as it once was. Mm -hmm. So... It's not 50-50, but it's pushing towards 50-50, or after Trump, it's pushing towards 50-50. So that, I think, also should, when you vote, I think it should also play a factor, like understanding if your presidential candidate is going to be aggressive in putting in place federal judges that are going to look at cases and analyze cases in the way that you agree with. Um, Let's go there. So I was just talking to, so I was just up north at a, at a dog thing, right? But I was talking to um, one of my trainers who was a Navy SEAL for 19 years. Huge Trump guy. Huge Trump guy. Um, everybody knows I like Trump's policies. I don't really mm-hmm. like Trump as a person, but I can vote based on his policies and me not liking him as a person. I could differentiate those two things. But then I just saw that DeSantis is going to run, and what he did with Florida is pretty awesome. And what Chris said to me was, he's like, but they're calling him a rhino was so basically that's just republican in name only yeah right so i'm like i just i'm less worried about the people now because i'm not a fucking one percenter or a three percenter or a five percenter i don't i can't relate to trump everybody says that you can relate to him yeah he says a lot of stupid shit on twitter but like (laughs) you can't relate to him you never hung out with him at a fucking country club dude so it's like that part let's just look at the laws let's look at the domestic policy the foreign policy and then where we're at so you actually bring up a good point like do we know if DeSantis, how he falls on this stuff? Because most of us are going to vote Republican only because it's more in line with our views, right? I, yeah. I don't really adhere to the poly, to the party system too much, but nobody outside of 
that Republican Party is really representing my interests all that well. So have you seen anything on that that's going to be coming up next year as far as DeSantis and how he is with guns or how what he says he's like with guns? Yeah, I think it just depends on what what do you what do you put the most value on? So I think DeSantis with him getting the permitless I mean some people call it constitutional carry but it's more permitless permitless carry. Okay. Um in Florida is a big deal. Um I think generally he's a pro two A guy, you know, and I'm in a lot of group chats with big two A content creators and just gun tubers in general. And the sentiment tends to be like, yes, DeSantis is probably a better two A candidate, depending on what you look at. As far as with Trump, I think the biggest knock on Trump is I don't think he really understands the issues. He tends to just defer to whatever mm-hmm. his cabinet Makes tells sense. him. Actually, not true. I'm going to throw a shot. He he defers to what the NRA tells him. So recently he came out in the town hall. If you watch that, a, a kid, very smart young man, came up and asked him about the pistol brace rule. And he asked him about, because you told the ATF to put in place the bump stock rule has now led to the pistol brace rule where on May 31st, millions of people could potentially become felons. You know, if you become president, what are you going to do about that? And Trump just went and skirted the lines and right. just said, well, I deferred to what the NRA said. You know, the NRA told me they didn't really care about bump stocks. So we went and regulated them. So if you find solace in that, I guess that's for you to determine. I will I, I'm not as critical on Trump, I think, as most people, because I think the justices he put in place for the Supreme Court were important, like Gorsuch. Huge. Gorsuch, I love Gorsuch. Um it's Amy Coney Barrett, I on some things I really like her. Ka- um Kavanaugh scares me sometimes. He t- tends to sometimes seem to me like an Anthony Kennedy, okay. uh, like a Kennedy justice. Um but I, I think Trump was a big part of, of getting the right people on the Supreme Court. That's led to a lot of wins. And again, I think he's a big part of putting in a lot, a lot of federal judges in district courts and circuit courts that have led to favorable decisions. So it's just one of those things where you have to weigh. Well, um, that's interesting because I was always pretty critical of Trump because the two big things that stuck in my head were the red flag law, which for us, anybody that works at a gun store, it's a big deal, right? Yeah, like, red flags laws is a big issue, like, again, that huge. he doesn't seem to understand the implications of totally. that. And he's said it multiple times, you know, take the guns first, due process later, and he's stuck by that. Um, yeah, there's act, there's mul- there's, mul- good. there's multiple audio clips of him saying that. Um, and, and like I said, I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for this because Ugh. people love Trump and I voted for Trump, you know, and if he's the too. candidate, I'll vote for him again. Um, Who would you vote for now for the, if for the DeSantis primary? fully runs in? Would you go for DeSantis or Trump? I, I feel, I'm putting him on the spot. Yeah. Well, I like it. I think I tend to be a little bit more like of a pragmatist. I, I think it just comes down to who do I think will ultimately win. I know a lot of people say if Trump is the candidate, there's no way he would beat Biden. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't I don't believe that either. I don't, I don't think that's the necessarily fuck is true. Vote Biden back in. They would know. only vote again just to not put Trump in. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. And, and I don't understand <laughs> somebody come on here that voted for Biden, please. <laughs> yeah. And tell me why. There we go. We got our next clip. It's just, like I feel like anybody but Trump. Yeah, it's just the never Trumpers. That, that's yeah. not yeah. a fucking valid argument and I've been arguing with people since they fucking voted Biden in. That's not a valid argument. Like it, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me that people can't develop their own ideas and their own opinions. Or maybe my problem is that they can, and they're so stupid that that's the <laughs> opinion that they developed. I, I feel like DeSantis is like a, a mild version of Trump. You know, we always said like Trump would be great if 
he would just shut up, right? Like, you don't say yeah. the stupid shit you do. Like, you run a country great. Turn policies. his Twitter off. Yeah. yeah. Tur- like, and I feel like DeSantis, and maybe I'm wrong, is like, what we wanted in Trump, DeSantis could be that. This episode is brought to you by Rifle Supply. Rifle Supply is your one-stop shop for all your accessories and firearm needs, and we're dedicated to top quality customer service. We appreciate you supporting our podcast. So for all our subscribers, go to riflesupply.com and use the code SHOOTTHEMIC for free shipping on your order. Now let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, I think the issue with Trump is he just, his allure is not him being quiet. His allure has never been him being an establishment person. That is not why his voters voted for him. That's not even why I voted for him. I didn't vote for him because I thought he was an established Republican or an establishment Republican. I thought he was different. I, I thought, thought he was. Yeah. I thought he was a, and this 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 is like a loaded statement, but like I thought he was like true American. Yeah. Like it, I I just I want a fucking not a politician. I just want an actual American. But when you get somebody that's a billionaire, he is an American. He's very pro America. <laughs> yeah. He's not like a real American. He doesn't go through the same struggles that we go through. He doesn't. He has armed security. He doesn't have to worry about his fucking gun rights. Yeah. You know, like he's a, he's like a New York State. Real estate mogul, right? Yeah. And what was I mean, good about that is he better than a politician. I you guess. didn't have to worry about people trying to buy him because he's yeah. like, you can't buy me. Like, I got all the money. That part, in the world. Was, that part was good for me. I think. I think we've seen the impact of that being reversed with Biden and 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 everybody else running everything, making yeah. the decisions, but him, but the guy at the top. Yeah, and DeSantis. I think the second he jumped in, there was a lot of money that was put behind him immediately. I think I, I can't remember what I saw. Maybe it was like twenty four million. Twenty four like, million imme- yeah. immediately from really? when he announced it. Um, it seems like DeSantis is going to try to be a little bit different, you know, with him announcing on Twitter with Elon. And, and so he's he's playing the game. Um, if you were asking me who would I vote for right now, I really – I don't know. Not to like screw up the question. Wait, I but did. wait. I didn't know about the Elon thing. If he's playing that game and he's going to try and grab that demographic, <clears throat> he may have a significant chance to win for the Republican side against the Democrats because if he can get half of the fucking – uh oh, Tesla owners out there, like, <laughs> like you know. Or I've never ha- seen so many Teslas than when I came down here. Oh, jeez, Louise, you over. people. Yeah, but if Tesla, he can get part of the millennials, crazy. if he can, if he can flip Florida, and then he can grab part of each sector, I think he has a really good chance. And I don't know if Trump can do that. That's the part that I'm iffy on. And I just don't want another. I just don't want seven dollar fucking gas prices. I don't yeah. want like I, I just I need somebody that's going to fight for our country, not what everybody thinks about America. Yeah, and I think that's and it, again it depends on if you're a single issue voter. Like if you were or if you only vote based on the two A, I think that's going to really decide for you for the most part. It's fair. Um, I tend to be a single issue voter. Like that's why I vote. I remember having this huge argument with my sister um, right before the last presidential, uh, or actually it was right before Trump was. Be- uh, became president, um, had a huge argument with her about why I was voting for Trump. And my whole reasoning was, and I kind of, I almost like I had a crystal ball. I, I voted for Trump because I knew the writing on the wall was for a lot, was on the wall for a lot of Supreme court justices. Because at that time, mm. you know, you had Ruth Bader Ginsburg who was like 90 something and was like one foot in a hole and one foot <laughs> on a, you know, a banana peel. She was ready to go. Um, <laughs> And there was a lot of Supreme Court justices that were very much in that same situation. You know, Kennedy was always hinting at that he was going to retire and stuff like that. So it was key that we got him in. At and I time. and I I I knew that we needed a shift, like because that that a president really does inform a lot of policy for let's say maybe for a decade. 
Supreme Courts are lifetime. Right. You know, until they decide that they want to walk out, yeah. they're in there forever. So it's going to impact a lot of our, our policy for a very long time. And we're seeing a huge shift right now with, like you said, Chevron deference and especially in the environmental area with them rolling back a lot of regulations as far as the Clean, clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act. There's a lot of shift. And so that's that should help a lot of our industry here in the U.S. Um, and should curb a lot of the new Green Deal stuff that the left wants to push. Mm. Um, so that's why I voted for Trump the first time. And my sister hated that that answer <laughs> that I gave her because she hated she didn't like Trump. It's so, it so polarizing. But she like, said I was right. The so entire country. Yeah. I, I, so she did. <laughs> like a few years later, when all the you know now that all the Supreme Court justices are are there, she was like, "You were right. You called it." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> thank you." <laughs> Score. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't. I don't. It's hard. I don't know who I would vote for right now. Um, I liked what Trump did for our economy. I think our our nation was in a good place before yeah. all the coof stuff started happening. Before the <coughs> you know <laughs> took over the nation. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I, I think I for me, I think it's going to I'll probably make up my mind and I tend to break down. I'll do usually we'll do a video of the candidates, um, why I'm voting for some. I did that even for when the uh, recall was happening of Gavin Newsom. Mm-hmm. I did. There was a lot of people were asking, like, who should I vote for for the recall? So I did a breakdown of like two way policies for all the people might do the same thing at some point for DeSantis and in Trump. But I think DeSantis, we don't. We know enough about him, but we don't know how he's going to react on the big stage. Like, totally. With Trump, the, the question has always been, once he gets you on a debate stage and he starts calling you the sanctimonious <laughs> and he starts calling yeah. you names, he goes, you're a liar. That's <laughs> <laughs> actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. On the stage, yeah. he eats them alive. Yeah. Anybody, whether that's uh, another candidate or, uh, uh, you know, you just seen the last interview they yeah. did on, you know, and it's just he eats them yeah. alive. And, yeah. like, that's what – I freaking love about him in those moments. Yeah. Like, finally, it's entertaining. Yeah, like, like, I mean, how many times have we been entertained by watching presidential debates? Like, never. He never. changed. He completely changed the game as far yeah. as like the presidential debates. Yeah. I sure. can. I can still only and watch part of them. Like, <laughs> I can't watch. You know, things that we always thought about candidates and stuff. Like, oh well, they did this and they did that, and like they're hushing this up. It's like he's gonna bring that shit yeah. up and like put him on blast. Where it's like. I was waiting for somebody yeah. to say that, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like you said, his last town hall with the moderator from, was it CNBC or yeah. whatever? You know, she was saying a lot of stuff about his tweets. He's like, I'm going to fact check you. And he, like, <laughs> his, like have, when have you ever seen a presidential candidate like pull out like a like, fact check the moderator? Dude, it's just, right. That was awesome. It just is like the stuff that he does. It just, and again, it's, it's viral right. moments too for him. Right. And know? he's being real. And I think that's what the people like about him. The ones who do vote for him, it's like, He's being real as fuck. And yeah. you're like, great. It doesn't get any better than that. That's somebody who's just being honest, real, how he feels, and just blasting them when stuff is wrong, you know? Yeah, it's it's hard for me because I know, like I said, people people say there's no way Trump could beat Biden. He already lost. I don't I, I don't even know. I know I have a lot of very left-leaning friends. I have the most left-leaning friends like from law school because that's just the demographic of people who go to oh, higher yeah. education. Yep. You know, I have friends who worked at Lambda Legal, which is like for fighting for transgender rights and stuff. So like I have the farthest left-leaning friends and even some of them don't like Biden. Um, not those specific ones, but there's a, <laughs> no, yeah, not, those ones. not those ones if they see this, but <laughs> I know they don't. But uh, 
there are a lot of left-wing people who don't even like Biden because they see the reality of that he just is stumbling his way through every day, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Well, so actually, I, just, I don't know. I mean, it's actually I'm, cool that you say uh, what you think too, because a lot of people that are big YouTubers that have you have what over a half a million subscribers, they kind of play in in this certain middle ground where it's like. I kind of just want their opinion. I want to know what you think. I'm mm -hmm. listening to you. Or I'm watching you for a reason. Um, not that you're going to push that opinion, but I think it's pretty cool that you actually don't vacillate back and forth just to make money and keep your channel wide. You you kind of go, this is where I'm leaning. Or yeah, I mean, I definitely I have. A, if you were to look at my demographics, I would guarantee you there's very few left-leaning people who watch my, my content. I mean, I'm sure there are. Yeah. Um, there are left-leaning gun control people. That still baffles my mind. I don't know how you could be a Democrat, and especially in California, and advocating for a lot of these policies and be like a rabbit gun owner. Those things just doesn't make, doesn't doesn't make sense. sense to me. <laughs> yeah. um, I would love to have conversations with those people. <laughs> so maybe Get them on your mind. podcast. That's <laughs> what we're trying to do. Yeah. Nobody, nobody, um, nobody wants to come on here. Yeah. I, I, I don't watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know we exist. They will now. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Um, I've, I've noticed this is more because I'm like into audio and video and stuff, mm -hmm. but I've noticed a shift in your channel recently to where like your production value has gone up quite a bit, like mm -hmm. your audio, your, your lighting and everything. And another one is that your sign off at the end has changed quite a bit. Yeah. Um, he really like, watches. Is, he is, is he like, really watches our boy, man. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I've been following you since before I even worked here, like for ages. But um, what led you to like do all those changes? Yeah, so I think it's, especially with YouTube, it's always one of the things like you want to grow and improve. Um, and for the longest time, we were joking about it even at dinner, you know, people are going to see like a left and a right oh, yeah, side of me because it's always been, I'm always just so head on, <laughs> <That's a good laughs> point. Yeah, yeah. talking, talking head. Get up and turn around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I, I, like I know you even have the Harry Potter little Funkos up there. Hey, he That's really watches. He really watches. All right, yeah. now you're being creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Stay 10 feet away. Come on. Yeah, no, it's just one of those things where I'm always trying to improve and I knew um, you. I only have so much time in my day. And a lot of the stuff I do is very timely information. So I try, I was just kind of at my capacity with a lot of stuff with the editing. So what I ended up doing is, is finding a, a person who could help me with the editing, kind of take some of the burden off. So we now do the editing jointly. Um, oh, you I, did your own editing? I do, for the most part, everything. Oh, no shit. Um, yeah, for the most part. Now I've, off, now I've offloaded primarily a lot of the, the editing cool. to him. Um, but we go back and forth about like assets and changing some of the stuff. And a lot of that too, is just bringing in a different, um, person who you can just look at the content, you know, cause I'm so attached to it and it's like, Hey, you know, maybe we should try this or try that different point of view kind of. Yeah. yeah. And so he like, he wanted to add in the, the graphic transition at the beginning where it's like, you know, says the arm scholar and, and yeah. that transition, I like it. um, we're playing with stuff where, you know, at the beginning of the video with the hook where we're doing the text at the beginning, you know, that was his recommendation. Um, so we just, it's just one of those things where you just always are trying things, seeing how the audience um, responds to it, if they like it or not. And, you know, usually the audience is pretty loud. So yeah. when I made, I mean, people hated it when I first made that transition with the editing and we had some music overlays. I, w I wouldn't say the majority of people hated it, but it was about 50-50. So, and I think maybe it's because I do, my audience is very split. You know, I'm from 25 to 45. Yeah. And so the older audience hated the, the additional music underlaying the audio because they were just, I can't hear. 
Which I understand. You're, you're older. You're, if you're watching on your TV or whatever, Whoa, I'm 43. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of you need to you know turn up your hearing aid or whatever. You know. <laughs> but you know, so, so I understood that, so we we changed it. We we modified it, and with the outro, it's just it's sometimes you're just playing. You're looking at our analytics and. Um, people, you know, I read comments every once in a while. People were saying like, Hey, you need to change your outro. It's too long. It's too long winded. So we just try to make it, you know, get you guys out of there, you know, get you, get you the content, get you out. Um, do so you post and ghost for the most part. So usually what I'll do is I'll post and I'll spend about the first. So this, you know, key for people, if you actually want to engage with me on videos, I'm in there for the first 30 minutes that I'm out. Um, gotcha. so I'm in the first 30 minutes because usually that's my most dedicated audience. Uh, Rogan I know- always talks about posting and ghosting and he's like, once you get famous, don't read well, the fucking comments. Well, I'm not Rogan. So, I mean, no, you're not. <laughs> come on now. You're not yeah, Rogan. I, I appreciate but, it. But. But, but but anybody that has that, I mean, fuck, dude, I've seen some of your videos, 1,500 comments or 900 comments and stuff. Yeah, so the that's average, serious yeah. interaction. But on like, the low end, it's about 1,000. So, like, dude, yeah. like that's, I'm sure there's a lot of shitty comments on there too. So he, he, his point is that you just can't because it affects you. Oh, it does. Like, it, it, it's yeah, just, it's something you're, you're never we're not built. I, I tell my wife this all the time. We're not humans. I believe we're not built to engage with that many people and just have that many people have <laughs> oh, access to us. That's fair. And so it really does. Like sometimes you'll just read a comment and you'll just catch it. And you could see, I mean, I'm sure you guys deal with the two, like Instagram, whatever you can see a hundred awesome comments where people are like, man, I really appreciate, I really like love this. And you have one, you, you one know, stupid one. I hate this, you two seven five oh, says man. like, you suck. You should kill yourself, yeah. like all, and you're just like, and then just, it just ruins your yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. You don't even remember the other hundred. Yeah. So I used to when we first when we went from like a thousand. When I started, we had eleven hundred fifty-five, and then we got to ten thousand. I started getting some more, and I would write them back. And my buddy Ryan Spadafore, who uh, worked at Strike Industries, it was kind of the face of them for a long time. Um, he was like, "Dude, you have to, you have to put that shit away." And then when his Cerakote started getting super big, when we did the first Dana White build, people, but we were sitting at the bar after we left, and people were putting up shit, talking shit about his gauges, and he's like, yeah. "Fuck these people!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. like, gonna, and I was like, "Don't write back to him, dude. Just you gotta kind of ignore it a little." Yeah, bit. it's it's funny. I, yeah. It, there are some, I will say, there are some times where I've seen negative comments that have made me laugh. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I want to say this because then people will start commenting. But we, because me and the, a lot of content creators, I'm really good friends with a lot of guys like Jared from Guns and Gadgets and Lingley Outdoors. We're all really good friends. And we, you know, a lot of the guys I know, I know now, we spend a lot of time when we go to like events like Shot mm-hmm. and just a lot of stuff. But we'll talk about this sometimes, like the comments. And I remember one time we were talking about like, what's the best, like, hate comment that you got that you just you couldn't help but laugh about yeah so one time i I think this was maybe a couple years back maybe like a year and a half back someone wrote a comment it was like it wasn't even necessarily mean it was like you know i like your videos but every time i look at you i can't help but think about the uh what is the the uh house designer from beetlejuice so if you guys ever oh, seen oh, Beetlejuice, okay. overlay, yeah. Oh, and when exactly I, I love Beetle, I have, I love Beetlejuice. <laughs> and so the second he said that, I was like, "That's mean," but damn, that's funny. <laughs> he had to comment on it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think I did comment back to him. I was like, you know. That was really good. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That made me laugh. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you necessarily meant it nice, but it was funny. Yeah. Like it, it was funny. I, I think the worst is when they comment on there and then like you go click on their profile and you're like, you're not even following us. Like, you know, you literally just came on the page to hate, say some shit. You know? Yeah, and you, you get a lot of that. Happy, yeah, blank photo, like, you know, 
just a avatar. That's yeah, nothing. they felt like eighteen too, followers. Yeah, <laughs> goes to the back yeah. to the Mike Tyson thing. People are yeah. too comfortable in the fact that they won't get punched in the face. Yeah, yeah. and then there's a lot of people, True. you know, for how much they say that they hate your stuff. You sure see them on every they single post. Every single <laughs> watch every single one. Thanks yeah. for supporting. Yeah. Love yeah. to watch you. Yeah. Yeah. Your your last video when you first announced that you were going to be here at the shop. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me go through the comments, and uh, a lot of them were just pertaining to your video. Mm-hmm. And I've seen like a lot of great comments for your channel, and I'm like, oh, this is a a great outcome outturn mm-hmm. of like these people commenting on the case and what you're doing. And like in the matter of just a couple of minutes, like it got up to like when I was watching like fifteen hundred comments. I'm like holy shit, I can't go through these. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely overwhelming. It's I I feel very blessed. You know, I'm I'm a religious person and I believe in God and I believe He's put me in this position for a reason. I'm still trying to figure out why. Um, but I feel every day I just I thank Him for how blessed I am. Like I would have never thought I would get to do stuff like this and. I know we talked about when we talked on the phone about us doing this and doing the podcast and, you know, telling people to come. I was and I even faced the same thing with Route 66, you know, when Yogi back there (laughs) fucking Yogi back there uh, (laughs) was putting together an event and was like, hey, we want to have you out. People to come, you know, they want to see you. And my response is always like, who would whatever like I'm a nobody because I am the house designer from Beetlejuice. Exactly. (laughs) Like they can just watch the movie. You know? (laughs) Yeah. That's a good one. I, I actually, uh, I thought maybe I should dress up like him for like Halloween if I do like a Halloween video. Totally. <laughs> dude, that would be so good. <laughs> yeah. Please do that. Be yeah, so cool. Good. Okay. Uh, and do the song. Do the song. Still. Yeah. So what's what's uh, the most favorite gun that you own right now? That's your favorite. Well, he just got a new one. Yeah, I just bought an off-roster staccato. Did oh, you uh, nice. Did you pick it up yet? Or is I haven't picked it up. Night? It's still in jail. Yeah. So that cost a pretty penny. Yeah. Um, C2, so... You know, could be a carry if I guess I want it to be. But God, who wants to carry a race gun though? Yeah, it's kind of tough. All the Huntington Beach because, PD. Because why not? <laughs> you know, but why not? You know, if I'm just gonna run to you know the store real quick, yeah, why not? I mean, it's fair, but would, aren't people? I, I've just heard a lot of things about them that they need to be clean. They need to be yeah. oiled. Mm. And I'm like, unless I'm that person that's gonna do that in my carry gun. I, I don't. I want something that's going to shoot every time. Yeah, no it's just what. it's a normal yeah. debate. So what's your okay? That's in jail. But what's your favorite one right now? You own handgun or rifle or with a pistol brace? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a pistol brace. Yeah, I, it's hard. I'm I'm a very basic. I'm a you know meat and potatoes type of guy when it comes to like. I guess I say that, but that's not really that's true. Cool. <laughs> you start going uh, through the clutch, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Gucci. That's, really that's Gucci. I, I guess what I would consider, like, yeah, is pushing towards the Gucci. So for the most part, like, my favorite gun that I shoot is just, like, a basic Glock 19, but it was, you know, See? modified by, you know, Alpha 6 Defense. So they did the stipple job on it. It's it's my primary. It's one of my um, concealed carry. With a dot. Uh, SRO on it. Um, and then it has the Radiant Ramjet on it and the Afterburner on it. Um, what do you think about it? We just got a ton of them in. Did they sell out over the weekend? I like them. Uh, I think we're almost out of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so here's my thing too now. So obviously in California, uh, yeah. you know, you can, or specifically in Orange County, they tell you like, hey, you can add things to your firearm, mm-hmm. your CCW, that are legal to own and obtain. So yeah. you can do that, right? When it comes to if you ever have to use that for self-defense, how do you think does that hurt or help you when you now have to go to a court case to In defend civil yourself? Case. Yeah, so I've done videos on this, and that's this is a lot of that like FUD lore stuff that goes around. I would just say, I know a lot of people are like, oh, like if you modify your trigger, they're going to use that against you. 
a prosecutor will use anything and everything against you. Mm -hmm. They're not going to just use your firearm. They're going to use your social media posts. They're going to use, you know, we're all screwed. Because yeah, we're like yeah. big gun two-way guys. <laughs> so, that, so if I have a, a, a radiant ramjet on it, that's the least of my worries. Now, for the average person, yeah, could it pop up? Probably. I always tell people, like, don't put a Punisher skull or, like, it's time to die, <laughs> you know, Cerakoted on your gun. I'm going to kill you. That's, you know, that's probably not smart. I personally don't mess with the internals of my carry guns. That's what we, um, that's what we More because also. if, yes, if there was a civil something where maybe someone, a secondhand or third-party individual sued you because maybe you, for some sort of negligence, like maybe they were a bystander that got hit, um, maybe that could become an issue. But for the most part, modifications, if it's permitted by your concealed carry, you know, whoever's issuing it, I'm not that worried. This is not legal advice. <laughs> I'm not too worried about it. I've done videos on it. You can find it. I think I've done like two or three on it. Um, I carry modified handguns for the most part with red dots. And like I said, the radiant ramjet. I don't change any of my internals, though. It's pretty much Glock standard internals. I've always said I have too much to lose to, yeah. to, for that risk. And when I press out at 140, 150 beats per minute, if somebody is right there and my life is in danger and my wife's life is in danger or my dog's life is in danger, <laughs> um, I'm not going to worry about the fucking trigger job. Yeah. I'm barely going to pick up those sights. Exactly. I, I mean, I'm going to point and shoot, and all the mods that I did, the stipple, it's not going to fucking matter. Yeah. The gun's not going to But in that moment hand. when your adrenaline is already going through the roof, could those mods potentially they help you they do. while they, your adrenaline's oh, through the in roof? In seven feet, ten feet? I'm going to argue I know that a lot of people that miss at seven feet. Yeah. <laughs> it could hurt you, too. If Adrenaline you is trigger, a... I mean, I'm, squeeze that by accident. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I don't careful. know. I, I lay on the other side where I do night sights, maybe yeah. an optic, and that's it. That's yeah, all I've ever Yeah, for the done. most part, like, that's... Uh, my my carry guns are not heavily, heavily modded. Right. A um, lot of these people want everything, and it's yeah. like, I get it. It's just not what I do or what we would recommend as a shop just because... God, the risk to reward yeah. for me is is tough to validate. Yeah, uh, I mean that's for everybody to decide. Like, what do you totally? But I, I always tell people you need to win the fight first, and then let's worry mm. about the other stuff after. Sure, that's very true. You know, get a good attorney and worry about the other stuff after. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying go do anything and everything. Like, you can definitely mitigate the risk, but you better make sure you win that fight first. Yeah. And if I'm going to get in a fight, it's not going to be a fair fight. I'm going to use I'm going to have every advantage that I could possibly have. And so I'm going to have a red dot because I can shoot a red dot faster and more precisely than I can shoot irons. Um, I still have, you know, irons on, you know, night sights, trigger on night sights, suppressor hide sights, whatever. Um, like I said, on one of my 19s, I have the the comp on it because I think it just does help with recoil. I'm going to have the stippling job because I can get a better purchase on it for when I'm drawing from concealed. Um, but then for the other guns, like if I'm going super slim, if I just have a 43, it's just a basic 43 with night sights. Or if it's yeah. a 26, it's just a basic 26 with night, sight, night sights. Um, I think just situations are situational. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it's definitely something we get asked a lot. We do questions every Wednesday, um, and we answer them live. And there's just those common questions that always come through, like, hey, can I modify my CCW gun? And for the yeah. most part, we always just say, look, like keep it. As simple and basic as possible. Yeah. Add on your little things. Yeah, for the most, most part, like the first question, I mean, the first answer to that is like, check your policy. Like your issuing agency, they tend yeah. to have policies about what you can and can't do. And if it's silent on it, then that means it's silent on it. And it's, it's technically up to you. Um, I know that there are some uh, agencies out there when they issue CCW permits, they talk about magazine capacity. 
I, I've never personally seen one, but I've LA. heard about it. LA. Do they? LA is max yeah. 10. Yeah. So there are some, so that's a consideration. Um, and then some will also have like certain modifications, like you have to keep it stock or whatever. So that's your kind of your first order of operations looking at your issuing agency. What do they say? Um, and then beyond yeah, that's your personal choice. So where you're from uh, in SenCal, can, because you're on your own now, can somebody hire you to defend them in a case? I asked or? him about that last <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, so I don't do like criminal defense. Like, I'm, I mean, I had done criminal defense when I was at, at a private firm, but I've never like put an emphasis on criminal defense and probably it would be to someone's detriment. And also just like <laughs> to my detriment, like I don't have the time to go through a full criminal defense you know, litigation with someone. I just, well, I mean, theoretically, if I guess if they wanted to, they could, but um, probably. So is your primarily thing to help Push like policies. the big cases, yeah. The, policies. the big cases, the policies, consulting with two A orgs, helping them with stuff that they're they're filing and, and stuff like that. Um, gotcha. Helping with messaging and, and all that stuff. Do you find a lot of the other attorneys out there um, aren't as involved in guns as you are? They're just more of attorneys for guns, but they don't really like the politician. They don't know shit about guns. It, it seems like yeah. it would make it tough and it would give you an advantage at the same time because you're in the community. Well, I think even in the two-way litigation side, that's definitely I, – I, not to throw shade at anybody, I think that's a problem also because I think there's a lot of people who are two-way, two-way attorneys or constitutional attorneys, but they're not really gun people. They're not really firearm, pe- right. firearms people. Like I said, my, my dad, you know, we grew up with firearms in our house. We went to the range every once in a while, but you're not – you're not a gun nut. Like, I consider myself a gun nut now. Right. Like you guys are probably considered gun nuts. Yeah, you know, right. we, we're around firearms all the time. We buy ridiculous staccatos and stuff because <laughs> the FOMO. Right. Like we we just yeah. got to have it. We got we we're watching videos on YouTube about what red dots are better. Like oh the SRO. I watched this uh, video. Um, what's his name? Where he does the drop tests about SROs. And, uh-huh. You know they could shatter. So like maybe I won't go with an RMR because you know it's duty proven. So <laughs> there are there are attorneys out there that you know, like firearms, but they're not like gun nut stuff. And I think sometimes that can be to the detriment of the cause. Um, and it's always interesting too. I think it re- I, the, the funniest thing is when you go to like range events, when you go to certain like Gundy's or shot show or Iraq veterans range day and you see some people shoot and you're like, Oh, I thought you'd, you were really like a gun guy. <laughs> you're not, not to throw shade at anybody, but like, yeah, it's just, and then I'm the Cali guy. You know, we did some training recently at like USCCA where we did like a full like range day and we went through all their training and all that stuff. And I beat a couple guys at, a, at these competitions that we were doing with the rifle course. And they're like, like, okay, but Sarah, like making fun of me. It's like, well, yeah, it's not my fault. The Cali guy outshot you. Like it just, you can it, tell it, when somebody picks up a gun, if they are not yeah. just yeah. with that first hand, yeah. like it's pretty simple. So, I mean, I, I think we definitely have an advantage as far as on the other side, since they don't understand basic firearms operations for sure. Right. You know, we've seen congressmen talk about how um, pistol braces, well, they they confuse pistol braces with bump stocks, and they start talking about how pistol braces increase the rate of fire, like a bump stock does. <laughs> and you're just like, you have what no the, idea what you're talking about. But the fucking media still puts it out there. It's so frustrating. And that's the problem. I don't think it, it's sort of to their detriment, but not really, because also, especially on the 2A side of the litigation side, a lot of the judges are also aren't gun guys so right. they can't see the bs so when there are claims like that that are made in cases they don't always see that you you can tell when a judge is a firearms guy though like because they benitez they, they, right. he's a they firearms guy right bumate is a firearms guy there are some uh recent arguments that happened in i 
I believe the Third Circuit and Range View, was it Range View Garland? There was a Frames and Receivers, um, no, Morehouse, it was Eighth Circuit, where the two of the judges on the panel, you can tell, under, re, understood what an unfinished frame receiver is, like what an 80 percenter is. Yeah. And the ATS representative didn't know what to do with that because they couldn't lie wow. their way through their BS. So when it comes to that the pistol brace rule, where do you do you see it eventually going one way or the other? Like where do you think that's going? It's going to get shot down. Yeah. I have no doubt that it'll get shot down. I think the bump stock is going to be the first one, and that's going to start the ripple. Um, the bump stock already had uh, some injunctions and stuff issued against it. Again, it's technically stayed right now because the Supreme Court is there. The ATF itself is seeking Supreme Court review of the bump stock, which is again. When we talk about how they are now having to actually litigate these cases, we now have a case where the ATF has lost at the Fifth Circuit en banc panel level where their bump stock rule was found unconstitutional. And the ATF itself is having to ask the Supreme Court to find that that decision was wrong. We've never really seen that before where the ATF is saying, we need you to. So now you have actually both sides. You have the two A side saying, yes, yeah, Supreme Court. Please review the ATF's yeah. rule on bump stocks. And the ATF is also saying, review I ours. So I think the pistol brace is going to go the same way. Um, we were talking about this last night about the current injunctions by FBC. FBC is representing that all members of, of the organization are covered under the injunction. Um, so about that, if I sign up right now today, would I still be covered? So I, I'm not a, <laughs> I, don't, I don't represent FBC. Um, I don't work for them. I'm a former employment employee. So I did reach out to their attorneys and I asked, and the response I got back is they read the injunction to say that all members, but you know, that's, if you read the injunction, that's what it says. So I think the question is when they, are they saying it's the pre people yeah. when the litigation was filed or is after when I looked at the briefs that FBC actually filed for the clarification, when they're talking about that language, they are saying, we are representing all members from future, current future, perspective, whatever. Um, so that's how I read the brief. Um, I think the injunction covers all members, and FBC is certainly representing that. So they are saying themselves. They sent out, I think I even got an email because I'm a member, and they're saying, like, oh, you're a member and you're covered. So they're representing that themselves, that all members are covered. So there you go. Sign up for FPC. <laughs> but, yeah. the, but the other thing was like, so we talked about it and I was like, so if I, so can, I can just take my brace off and technically the brace is supposed to be destroyed. That's not the point that I had, but can I just leave a carbine buffer tube on or do I have to put a pistol buffer tube on? And then he said, well, technically the law, it, it says attachment. And I'm like, well, a buffer tube isn't an attachment. It's part of an actual, it's part of the gun it's operation so is it labeled as an attachment it's so fucking great dude and yeah like the weird. rule it's, this it's specific weird. pistol brace rule is all over the place dude when you read it it is all of so the actual language i was pointing to it says any rearward attachment that has surface area right. that can be shouldered so then it leads to okay buffer tubes you know it could be conceived as, as a rearward attachment area. that has surface area that can be shouldered you know it, it is yeah essential for the operation but then people, there's a, some later section in the rule where it talks about the actual um, positions on a buffer tube where they're saying, well, why would you have a buffer tube that has positional changes on it? Like you wouldn't necessarily need that if you're just going to use the buffer tube. So there's a lot of weird things in the rule where mm -hmm. they are hinting at maybe what they would do. But I, I, 
I don't know. I don't want to say that maybe they're hinting at what they would want to do. I think a lot of it is them just not understanding at all, like you said, to their detriment. So it's not clear. Or they're overly um, vague on purpose, right? Which they do. Or they could be also. overly vague on purpose so <clears throat> yeah. they can have a lot of wiggle room. And yeah. we've seen that recently with, you know, the ATF director Dettelbach went in front of Congress and perjured himself and said that, you know, all we say is that people just need to detach. You know, you could have your brace and just detach it and keep it in another room or keep it in your room and you're fine. And then a week later, the ATF sends out a bunch of blasts on their social media saying, no, it's detach and dispose. So now they're even hinting at like even just still having it oh, in your house yeah. in, con in contrast to what the ATF director said. Um, so crazy. I don't, again, <laughs> I actually so don't what do know do? what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I still don't exactly like sign up for do. the FPC. Yeah. yeah. Sign up for FPC. <laughs> I, I went okay, in my fine. backyard Jesus. and I just, I dug a hole and I put him in there for now. <laughs> we'll see where that goes. Good job telling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say where the hole is. I'm being safe uh, though. You he know? said it's yeah. in his backyard. Yeah, it's oh. in your, it's in your, <laughs> his backyard doesn't have that much dirt. <laughs> okay. It's got a very small amount of dirt. Yeah, it's at your house and you're safe. Right. Cool. Chuck, want to get to your last question here? Who do you like better? Biggie or Tupac? Who? See, he's been on both coasts. I said, yeah, I was. I wanted to ask him earlier when he said he went to school in the East. Standard. Uh, I, I think Tupac. I think oh, just growing yeah. up. Yeah. I think there just growing go. up in California, yeah, it has to be Tupac. Just yeah, like what I listen to. For sure. Bone Thugs and Harmony is the correct answer. Oh, <laughs> that's the first one. Right. Yeah. That's a good one I actually too. wrote down a couple lawyer jokes if you don't mind. <laughs> I probably heard them already. That's what I was afraid of. Okay, this is of course not trying to, you know. It hurts your feelings in any way. It's, yeah. it's just time I embarrass myself on this episode. Yeah, I, I, I've watched one prior podcast, and I saw some of the things you were advocating as far as drawing analogies from one thing to another. Murder and rape. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. 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 Hey, I'm no lawyer. I don't know what I can say. Okay. First one is, uh, what's the difference between a vacuum cleaner and a lawyer riding a motorcycle? Ooh. It says, <laughs> it says <laughs> this is off the internet. I'm not this creative. <laughs> the vacuum cleaner has the dirt bag on the outside. On the inside. Sorry. Hey, on the inside. <laughs> I don't even I don't even think these jokes should be allowed. Wait, okay, last one, last one. <clears throat> this one's kind of uh, crazy. It says a lawyer wakes up in the hospital after surgery and asks, Why are the blinds drawn in here? The nurse says, There's a fire across the street and we didn't want you to think the operation failed. Like he's in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard some better ones. <laughs> that was a weird one. Yeah, yeah. We, we got to go back to the drawing board. We got to redo that Google search. Like I said, it's the Google search. Yeah. Uh, that was like the first page. So where can people get that shirt right now? So it's going to be on sale soon. So this is the first look at it. I literally got it the day before I drove Super down Super cool, dude. Nice. Yeah. So like it. it's going to be uh, TriStar Trading Co. Um, is doing the merch. It's So if you guys are familiar with Johnny B from YouTube, it's his shirt company. He does a lot of content creator stuff. Um, so it's going to be this. Uh, we're doing this design. And then there's a green shirt that says armed with like an American flag and it says built and maintained, which is like my sign off. Um, so find them at TriStar Trading Co. Um, I'll probably do a big blast once they're finally Hopefully available soon. for sale. Yeah. Week, about years. a week, yeah. Okay. You have your own website where you also sell your, your separate, your own merch? I do, but I think I'm just going to start just – I am prime. I want to just put it streamlined and everything and just have one company do everything. So I'm going to move to TriStar and just have them do the, all the merch on that back end. So. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, obviously, your Instagram is armscholaryt. Because someone yeah. stole armscholar along <laughs> – How much money like, did they want yeah. for it? I've I've tried to get dough names from some people and they're asking like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, just like, you guys are out of your mind. I don't care crazy. about it that much. Like, yeah. 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 
Dude, that's hmm. crazy. I wonder if that's a business for people. They just buy up names. They, they, they do. Yeah. Right? They do. Yeah. 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 To sell. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fuckers. Yeah. yeah, John owns like 30 or 40 of them. Yeah. He, he owns He owns wow. Arm Scholar. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, John. That's so good. Cool. Uh, well, this has been fun. Thank you for hey, coming man. on Thanks with so us. Thank you so much. Hell yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, Episode so, nine, yeah. right? Follow him. Uh, obviously, his videos are amazing. They help us in the layman's terms kind of understand, you know, law and stuff that's going on in court cases. Um, so, yeah, make sure you guys like and subscribe. Um, shoot the mic podcast. Thank you guys. It's been fun. And uh, now we'll go to part two and head to the store. Let's do it. Whoop. Whoop. Here we go. All right. Oh, good times. Uh, CRPA is here. Are they? Yeah.